0: Welcome to Beyond Prisons, this is Jay. Sorry, we've been away for a few weeks. We've had some technical difficulties, as well as some of us moving and dealing with personal matters, but we'll be back with more interviews later on this month. In the meantime, we wanted to make sure that you all got a critical episode that we recently recorded with members of Jailhouse Lawyers Speak for Black August, leading up to the historic Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. Kim had a schedule conflict, so Brian and I performed the interview this time. But no worries, she'll be back for our next episode with Victoria Law.
1: The first question we had was for you guys to just tell our listeners a little bit about what Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, what you all do as an organization.
2: All right. Well, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, uh, it's a collective of prisoners uh, nationally. For the most part, you know, we consider ourselves... Uh, human rights advocates, you know, definitely uh, prison abolitionists. And um, for the most part, we can set ourselves kind of schooling prisoners on uh, some fundamentals as it relates to the law, some fundamentals as it relates to uh, their human rights under the UN Charter, some basics as it relates to, like, prison policies, lawsuits, litigation, whatever it takes just to get them abreast of the law. Fundamentally, we also uh, try to school them as much as possible into some of the fundamentals of George Jackson.
1: So for those who don't know, what is a jailhouse lawyer, you know, and and what is is their role and their importance within U.S. prisons? Why are they necessary? Historically, uh, jailhouse lawyers have been known as writ writers
2: for the most part lawyers—they are extremely important because a lot of us come from poverty backgrounds. We have been unable to afford um, proper representation. Usually, it's usually guys inside that have self-school themselves. They don't have law degrees. They have self-school themselves into the law, um, and um, they tend to help prisoners and family members uh, of prisoners uh, navigate through a complicated system. You know, a system that's designed to keep them inside, keep them in bondage. Um, Jay, anything you want to add to that? All uh, right, just
3: just to. Um Add on a little bit, yes, it's it's important that uh, jailhouse lawyers get a proper amount of credit because there's so many young people, especially in the prison system, that don't have any uh, legal background or even have the the normal um, college background that most people have, and they're looking for assistance in the legal system. So jailhouse lawyers, when you said about around America, are extremely important to assist young people And helping litigate their cases, or understanding exactly what they have going on with their cases. So I just want to add that as well.
4: The other question I had is if you could tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you face in doing your work. You know, from the prison administration, just in terms of resources, anything like that. Well, for the most part, I would first of all have to say the biggest part
2: is that jailhouse lawyers have a bad stigma as it relates to um, prison officials, and simply because they've been known as resistors. You know, they've been the ones that. Prison officials and uh, uh, government officials as well consider as, uh stickers in the side, you know, um, because they've been the ones that they say is not going along with the program. They're always finding problems and trying to get those problems addressed. So uh, jailhouse lawyers uh, definitely uh, have a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, particularly as it relates to the state and government officials. As far as resources, resources are very minimum. Um, that's the thing about jailhouse lawyers, and we come into this knowing that the resources are very limited. A lot of times when you have serious jailhouse lawyers, and not just the ones that's just going in name, but serious jailhouse lawyers, uh, we do know for a fact that, you know, what we're up against, what's going on, the repercussions that we face, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you may take on an issue and you automatically know it's risking you at a risk of transfer, it's risking you at a risk of being placed in solitary confinement, it's risking you at an opportunity of being beat down, threatened, harmed. Uh, even your family comes through and visit you or uh, being harassed. Your mail is being um, slowed down. Your mail is being thrown away in some cases. Everything, the life of a jail lawyer is not something that is easy. This is why a lot of people choose not even get entangled in jailhouse lawyers' business, not even want to be a jailhouse lawyer because they know complications and the
1: repercussions that come behind it. Thank you. So what are some ways that people on the outside could support the work of jailhouse lawyers? I can only speak for the uh, South Carolina because I'm
3: familiar with law in South Carolina. Um, what I can say is that um, a lot of the people that are in colleges right now, they're in law school, need to utilize the rule 401. The fact that students um, in law school are able to assist, specifically, indigent inmates, it, it assist prisoners, so to speak, uh, jailhouse lawyers in uh, writing briefs or or checking law work or doing uh, reports or, or doing some of the legwork, it, it not only assists the, these young students to be able to get real world, real life uh, situations and experience, but it also allows the jailhouse lawyers that don't have the resources sometimes or don't have the copies or don't have, you know, the extra eyes or um, the the computer work. Because a lot of times what happens is the SCDC they kind of tie our hands behind our backs. They don't allow us to look at newer cases. And they won't allow us to look at cases from other circuits to understand what other brothers and other systems are fighting and how they're litigating. So one of the things that I recommend is anyone that's in law school or anyone that has some type of interest in law to be able to utilize the rules that are already in books, say, listen, we have laws and rules that allow us to assist these inmates. There's nothing under the state's pocket. It's simply filing paperwork and saying that you're able to uh, debrief and things of that nature under Rule 401. So many people don't understand this, and SCDC tries this in the rap. So this is something that I believe that could be done from the outside, right? In myself person,
2: just a small smaller brief, I would like to say to say another thing we can do, we definitely need more people to uh, set up more communication channels with the jailhouse lawyers, particularly to be better prepared for uh, jailhouse lawyers that are uh, being retaliated against. You know, um, only that outside support mm-hmm. can uh, show up actually what they're actually doing on the
4: inside. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I'm going to ask, you know, on the subject of what people can do on the outside, we have the Millions for Prisoners march coming up um, in August, and I wondered if you had anything that you wanted to say about the march or any work uh, that you all are thinking about doing, you know, you know, in, in tandem with that. Historically, um, jailhouse lawyers have been the ones that
2: have made the call, um, controversial calls at times, and some of us prisoners don't even identify ourselves as jailhouse lawyers. We may say revolutionaries. We may freedom fighters, but in the day, we all have had our hands, law books on one level or another, and it has opened our eyes. Um, and no different with this march on Washington during Black August, on August the 19th, um, it, is, it is a call from the jailhouse lawyers on the inside nationally. Um, I will say this here. We definitely need people to be able to do solidarity marches. Uh, we need people to be able to march in free jails or uh uh do demos in front of these county jails in front of the prisoners because what this does is it is it allow it alerts the prisoners inside to their support for their actions of resistance on the inside. Um and it also may even give some of the prisoners that was on the fence I guess you could say the courage to um, stand up and decide that they're no longer going to take what they're getting, you know what I'm saying, and put an end to what we know today as prison slavery, uh, to put an end to the human rights violations that are ongoing in the prisons, um, and to even force their opinions as it relates to um, prisons, you know. Um, um there are a lot of these prisoners, if not all, need to go. So um we we just need people out there to get up, stand up, and let the prisoners inside know they are with us.
1: Great. What are some things to the degree that you want to talk about them, um, that you guys are gonna do during the month of August this year inside? Well usually
2: uh during the month of August, usually you will find prisoners they would wear uh, black wristbands. Jay, you got yours?
3: No, it's on right now. Okay, so they got mine on right now?
2: Absolutely. So mostly prisoners will wear black
3: wristbands. We have have some black wristbands that were made um, that actually have in leather uh, black August showing our solidarity. Um, Some of the brothers, uh, they fast. Um, Some of the brothers, we do uh, campaigns or we do uh, boycotts, trying trying to be as, as active as we possibly can to show that solidarity, to show that we have a voice. Um, to get the people behind the wall as well as uh, in the street uh, to understand that this is, you know, this is the thing about all of us. Even though you may not be in here right now, you may know someone that's in here, you may know someone that may be coming or know someone that's going home. So it's, it's extremely important for us, you know, to show that solidarity. There's just many different uh, organizations uh, behind the wall and on the street that, that just trying, you know, come together at, in that month and, and just really speak up as much as we possibly can.
1: Thank you. Great. Could you talk a little bit about some of the work you all do around political education and trying to build class consciousness inside prisons?
3: Uh, it's, it's actually funny that you, you made that comment. My brother uh, back on the line if he would be able to concur. Um, we, we actually teach classes. Um, there's a particular class that uh, another brother from another institution and I um, were working on, is a class called Fixed Our Hood. And it's it's kind of something to geared towards the younger people to be able to explain to them that listen, you know, talking about the problems is not the only thing you can do. You have to provide solutions, and a major part of that is uh, knowledge of the legal system. It's uh, understanding what the government, or a city government, state government, and federal government owes you as a citizen, not just as a black person or as a prisoner, but as a citizen in your in your your town, your in the state of your country, these are some of the resources that are, are available to you. And if you don't know about it, here's some ways to find out about it. Uh, understanding what your rights are, and understanding how they apply in certain situations. Uh, many of us don't truly understand, and so we are put in a situation where we need to know the laws, we need to know what our rights are. And when we don't know these rights or laws, then kind of, you know, uh, put in some tumultuous situations. So uh, the class is seen. Is so much uh, growth because many young men that we see back here they'll learn these different things and then they'll get on the phone with their family and say, Mom, did you know this? Did you know that voting was this? Did you know that um you don't have to do this when you're pulled over? Or you don't have to worry about this. Or mom, I know our representative for our area now, so you were complaining about those street lights being out in our neighborhood. Here's the person to call. A lot of times just the knowledge just is not readily available or they don't have a venue where they'll be able to sit down and ask questions with someone that's knowledgeable. So teaching small classes like this, uh, and we get most of the information from out of just books and, and newsletters and things of that nature, you know, what's what the happenings in the community as well as, you know, jailhouse lawyer uh, newsletters and things of that nature. So being able to pass on this information in the best possible way so that young people can understand it, it's okay. To know the law, you know, if some some people just shun it. And so I don't want to know about that stuff. That doesn't bother me. It's not going to help me, but it'll help your your little brother that might be on the street that he may be coming and he doesn't understand these laws or understanding that his grandmother she has resources in the neighborhood that she's not utilizing because she doesn't know about them or who to contact. So some of these these things is what we're trying to do to better young men so when they are going home they're able to go home something more than just a, a prison culture.
4: What are some of the things that you see that come up a lot with incarcerated people that, that they need help with? Like, are there any things in particular that you just see time and time again that jailhouse lawyers like yourself are working on?
3: Um, there, there are many different things, uh, and I think it varies based on the culture uh, or, or the areas that you, that you may be incarcerated in. Things stand out more mm-hmm. than others. A lot of the times I see there's issues, like I said, culture. You know, you have like a this is what we're supposed to do or this is the way we're supposed to act. And a lot of times, some of the young men in here, they don't see that this is the way that you're you're acting because you're around other people that act that way. There's the negative stigma. There's the the, the movies. Because we're able to reach out, because we have uh, communication devices, we're able to reach out with many different people. And when you do, and they hear you speak and articulate, or they hear, you know, we're conversing, they're like, you're in prison right now? And they're flabbergasted because it's like, I had no idea that there were people there in these situations with this kind of time or whatever that have these type of ideas or the things that are going on. So for, for, for me personally, I feel that being able to show young men when they're coming in here with a large amount of time that you don't have to become savage because of your environment. You can change your environment to become what you want it to be. This is a community no matter what people think. You know, we get to learn who these people are around us. It's, it's amazing because if we go to different institutions. It's almost as if, like, you guys maybe went to college and you see a college buddy. You're like, hey, bro, I you been doing, oh, you yeah, I've been here and doing this. Long time no see. That's the, the culture we have. It's like, oh, I remember that guy. We did time down this way. We were here this time. Some of these guys have been knowing each other for 20 and 30 years, sometimes in and out of institutions, sometimes from child, uh, what do they call it, uh, youth camps. So the culture changes based on, you know, who you're around. If you're around a lot of older guys, maybe it's a little more calm. If you're around, you know, some younger guys, maybe they're a little bit more, you know, hip hop or, or whatever the case. But each yard, even in one state, has a different mentality, has a different vibe. Um, and I feel that a lot of people on the street don't really understand that, you know, it's more to prison than just, you know, what you see on television. Um, I just wanted to say one thing is that um, the, the, the work that we do back here, from what I've been learning, because uh, the brother that, that they just came back to the call, he's more or less my mentor. But one thing that I've been learning is that the marches and things of that nature that we're doing is really to refocus the revolutionary mind state on the fact that the system, and I say the word system specifically because the systems are controlled by policies, by rules, by laws, to be able to keep things the same. So the system of incarceration that we're being put under has a linchpin, and that linchpin is the 13th Amendment. Without that 13th Amendment, much of what's going on right now would not be able to be done. So I feel that it's extremely important that we focus on that and that alone, is that there's a lot of things going on back here. We have a lot of human rights violations. We have a lot of, you know, of bad water and bad food and, you know, living conditions and so on and so forth. But if we focus on the main lynch, the main foundational issue is that without the 13th Amendment, we would not be enslaved because if we weren't enslaved, then we wouldn't wouldn't have a law that would allow them to treat us the way we are. So the biggest thing that I want to just make sure I reiterate is that, you know, we may have different views on, you know, what the percentages of your time is or, you know, what you're supposed to wear or how you're supposed to prepare or religious beliefs and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, when we clear all that away, 13th Amendment is the linchpin that keeps them in the powerful position and keeps us in a powerless position so, to, to a degree. So everything else, like I say, maybe other different organizations may may feel that it's a, we should be arguing this, we should be arguing that, but in, in, the, in the bottom line for me, what I've learned Is Thirteenth Amendment needs to be changed or abolished. And I appreciate you uh, allowing us to speak on the the show today. Um, Yeah, absolutely.
4: You know the the last question that we typically ask our guests is what abolition means to them. (laughs) Well, Um, I'll I'll start off, and if you don't mind, before I start to take track, right quick. one of the things I do
2: is uh, a question you asked on what those prisoners intend to doing, and I'm not sure how to comrade. Right. <laughs> but I would like to make it known that you know you will have and uh, always during the month of Black August, and and uh, we must understand the significance of why it was selected. You know because it is a month of resistance. Uh, most of all, um, it was selected because it already has a few things that prisoners are already actively doing, such as the Black wristbands, such as studying, such as working out, such as such as uh, study groups, uh, building more resistance study groups inside, um, understanding our take as it relates to why we're challenging the things that we're actually challenging. And also, uh, we must also understand, we also know that there'd be a few pockets throughout the country that will be going even further. There would be some resistance as it relates to boycotts, boycotting the canteen, um, boycotting the phone, We also know there will be some work boycotts that will be going on the following week. George Jackson's birthday is on the 21st, so we're hoping there will be a wave of that going on throughout the prison system. It just depends on uh, what is the uh, attitudes of the prisoners after this particular event on the 19th, after they see what's taking place in the streets, will determine how they'll be reacting behind these bars. So this is very important. So this is what we're hoping, and we'll see what turns out uh, during August the 19th and the week following August the 19th. Now to answer your question, as far as what abolition means, around my way for a lot of comrades when we have our conference calls and we have our discussions, we always say abolition means the complete abolishment of something, destroy, remove, do away with. So when we when we're speaking of slavery abolition, we're speaking of Um, abolishing slavery, period. We know slavery was never abolished, and this is our big task right now because we feel like it's a linchpin that needs to be removed. You move that centerpiece, everything else begins to crumble. It's also tactical. It's not our overall strategy. It's tactical because it's involved in the prison abolition movement. Prison means to do away with the prisons, period. Um, how important is that? That is extremely important because we have to figure out a new system and a new way to deal with people that fall short in society according to society terms. And this way clearly is barbaric the way that we are currently doing it right now. And it's not based on the fact of what all they're turning out of prisons and the money motivation that the system, politicians and private corporations, how they have incentivized turning social environments into conditions to where they are producing so-called criminals. So this is very, very important here. So... Uh, so we need to do away with the entire thing. So that's when we say abolition, it means to do away with something. Now, I'm not sure which side people own, and sometimes people say prison abolition, they think we're just talking about just doing away with the complete prison thing, right then, right now. No, we understand that there's a process, you know. it's definitely a process. It's not something you're just going to do away with, which is why we say slavery abolition is a tactic in the toolbox, you know, to get to our ultimate goal, to get something that is more humane than what we actually have now. So that's what abolition means to me. And it means to a lot of other comrades as
1: well. One last question while I have you on the phone, you mentioned George Jackson a couple of times earlier and obviously Black Black August has a, a relevance to George Jackson. Share yeah. maybe a couple of the the lessons that you guys, just briefly, like some of the things that you you take from George Jackson's uh work or his vision that you you share or you find particularly powerful for other incarcerated people
2: mostly the most important thing is George had a quote he said sell your qualms come together now you know um and just in paraphrasing it, you know he said that there was lives being lost don't have to be lost you know and the reason they've been lost because we refuse to come together you know you got to understand during George Jackson time the system the prison system had prisoners completely divided amongst particularly amongst racial lines and George was saying we need to get rid of those lines that's dividing us you know what I'm saying because While we're sitting here dividing, these people seeing us, torturing us, harassing us, beating us. They are actually delighted at our separation because we're not together to be able to fight, you know. Um, so one of the things that, that, that I admire about Comrade George that we take forward with us is the unification. And not only that, but he was also trying to connect the prison resistance movement with the outside movement, you know, uh, with um, liberation movement outside the gates, you know, and that was one of the biggest things and that's one of the biggest problems we have today is making sure we're able to connect the reality of prisoners and the liberation fighters back here uh, with the liberation fight that is taking place on the street, the resistance that is taking place on the street. You know, this is why we try to remind people, when you have these big protests against these polices that are killing civilians unjustifiably, and they think that it is separate from the prison resistance movement, but they're not understanding that it is all tied into the same knot. And we're trying to get people to understand that connection there so they can understand what we have going on. I take with George Jackson, that is definitely what I take from him as it relates to Black August. Um, of course, Black August is extremely significant because it not only has a moment in the liberation movement, but it also has one more thing. It deals with slavery because we see a lot of these people, um, that the prison resistance movement as we know it today, is directly connected to slavery. And because it's directly connected to slavery in our present time, we say that Black August is an extension. Of that resistance that has been continuously taking place because the prisoners have been been killed on that time. Prisoners have been known to be resistant on that time. And most of what we point out during Black Always is significant figures that have been resistant. Albeit during that particular time, most of these particular figures are black mm-hmm. figures. And it is known as Black Always because we felt like at that time there would be no place for black figures that have been resistant throughout history. So um, this is why it is known for its black resistance and its black highlight of these particular black figures that have been resistant since slavery time. Um, and now today we know it is becoming a time we want somebody to be able to take part in this and to be able to acknowledge it and understand that it is the resistance and that it is not just limited scope. So when we think about comrade George Jackson, got to say him and the other comrades during that time period, they gave us a lot. They gave us a foundation, and they maintained something that has been burning in the prisons ever since he was martyred. Great.
4: Thank you. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. Anything hey, else I, hey, I
0: appreciate you giving us the time.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks again for the members of Jailhouse Lawyers Speak for joining us on this episode. We hope to see some of you at the Million for Prisoners Human Rights March in D.C. on August 19th. You can find Jailhouse Lawyers Speak on Facebook at BLK Jailhouse Lawyer and on Twitter at JailLawSpeak. We'll be back with more episodes in a couple weeks.